Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit LifePointPB.com. All right. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah. At least you all are talkative. That's a good thing. That's a good sign. So many of you know James and Heather Burke. Uh, they're, they're in Malawi currently. Uh, they arrived there safely ministering to the people in Malawi. And I, I gave a moment's thought that while they're gone, maybe I would sneak over to their house and steal one of James's suits. But I didn't think it would fit too well. Plus, I don't think anybody but James could pull that off anyway. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Bob, and, and I'm typically playing guitar when I'm up front here. So this is a, a special time for me uh, just to be here and to share with you this morning. I count this as a privilege and an honor. If you would bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have yet to do. And go, God, as each one of us has come here this morning, we submit ourselves to you. We ask you to speak to our hearts, that you would open them, Lord, in such a way that we can hear clearly from you the message that you have to share with us in this day and in this moment and in this time. And not that we would only hear it, Lord, but that we would put it into practice, that your word would become real in our hearts, and that we would share it with the world around us that is lost without you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've I've called this teaching this morning, I'm kind of one of those people who likes to have a title because it helps me figure out what it is that I'm going to do, and the title changed about 15 times as I was preparing, and that was the Lord just telling me uh, what I think he wanted me to share with you this morning. So I've I've entitled it, Secure in the Sheepfold. Some of what I'm going to share with you this morning will seem quite elementary, and in reality it is. But I have two goals as I share with you this morning. First is that if you know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, that I want you to be secure in that reality. That as you leave here this morning, I want you to be convinced beyond any reasonable doubt that you are forever changed. Secondly, is if you don't know him, my goal is that your heart would be softened in such a way that you would hear his call that you would hear his voice as he reaches out to you and that you would simply come into a relationship with the lover of your soul. If you'd like to to have a Bible to follow along, please raise your hand and the ushers will, will pass those out to you. In ancient times and still in many countries today where there's traditional sheep herding, they would have these sheep folds, sheep sheep folds, or we might even call them sheep pens. They were constructed normally from rocks or from timbers or from some other natural material, but their purpose was to keep the sheep safe, to keep the sheep safe not only from predators, but also from themselves and from their natural tendencies and instincts. You can't miss the Bible's continual reference to us as sheep. Obviously, this is mostly in a spiritual context. However, I believe there's some behavioral reality to that as well in light of who and whose we are and our tendencies in life. Before you tune me out this morning, you say there's no way that I'm sheepish. There's no way. There's no way, shape, or form that in any way am I like a sheep. Bear with me. Because I hope that by the finish of our time this morning that you'll not only see yourself as a sheep, 
but you'll see value and merit in it. If you're not a sheep, perhaps this morning you'll desire to be one, and you'll open your heart to the Lord. I have on the overhead a picture of a sheepfold, and you can see that the gate is the shepherd himself. The shepherd has complete control over who goes in and out of the sheepfold. Not only does he have control over that, but he's vigilant. He's watching for any predators that might try to sneak in in another way. Jesus used this picture to illustrate his role and his position in salvation. John chapter 10 speaks a lot about this, and for extra credit homework, you can go home and study chapter 10 of John this week. But in verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in, and he will go out and find pasture. There's a few things that I'd like you to note in this verse. First is, the Lord Jesus himself is the gate. As you saw in that previous picture, he's the gate. He is the way. That's not a popular position these days, by any stretch of the imagination. We live in a world that has endless, endless choices and decisions in many, many ways to the same end. I have a friend of mine that works for a company over in Great Britain, and years ago, he came here to do some work with us, and he was telling me the morning when he came to work that the night before, he had had this huge desire for some potato chips. And so he went to the local Publix or Winn-Dixie and to get a bag of potato chips. But he was overwhelmed by the choices, the magnitude, the varieties, the different flavors of all these different potato chips. You see, there was many ways to meet the desire that he had for potato chips, but the choices were many. It's not like that with salvation. So declaring that Jesus is the one, he is the singular way, he is the door, he is the gate, so to speak, states the reality that he is the one singular only way. Acts 4.12 drives that point home. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. The second aspect of that verse, I am the door, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, is it's conditional. It's conditional upon you entering in. He says, if anyone desires, if anyone enters by me. So it's conditional. The world would have you believe that that's a very restrictive position these days. Being in this sheep pen, being in the sheepfold is restrictive. However, we see Jesus state just the opposite. He says, whoever enters by me can go in and out freely. In fact, he goes on in the next verse, which I don't have on the overhead, but he said that he came to give you life and life abundantly. And it doesn't sound very restrictive to me, but the world would have you believe that it is. Now, he's not giving us a license or or any way indicating that we can live life in any way that we choose. There's plenty of God's word that addresses this. But we are free. We are completely free from the burden of sin. But those who love Jesus, to quote his own words, will obey his commands. We're free from the burden of the law. We're free from the penalty of sin. It is removed. But we're also free from the burden and the power of sin as well. You and I no longer need to live, and I I thought this was kind of funny. We don't need to live like spiritual MMA losers. 
who tap out every time some temptation comes along. We don't have to succumb to that. One of the freedoms that we have is we've given power and victory over sin. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master. I don't know about you, but it says no longer. It's pretty simple. I don't think we need any commentaries. Because you are not under the law, but under grace. Remember the freedom that you and I have is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. The beautiful thing about our shepherd is his love for each of us, it never fades. It doesn't diminish. It cannot be denied. We'll take a look at just how far our Lord will go in pursuit of those that are his in a little bit. But before we get there, we have to first be one in the sheepfold. Why would you and I, why would any of us want to be a sheep, much less confined in a pen with a bunch of other sheep? I want to take a look at a parable that Jesus told, and this parable is regarding sheep and goats. It's in Matthew chapter 25, if you'd, care, if you'd like to turn there. Now, this parable does return to Jesus' final return to earth, when he will set up his eternal kingdom but I believe it also speaks to us today. Biblical scholars way, way smarter than me disagree a little bit on the exact timing of this, but they all agree on one thing. It's a time yet to come. So what does it have to do with you and me today as we sit here this morning? What's relevant is that Jesus speaks about a future judgment that everyone will face. He uses the allegory of being either a sheep or a goat. In this picture, you can see there are several similarities between the sheep and the goat, but there are also many differences. I'm not sure, but I would assume most of us, if any of us, have never been a shepherd. If you're like me, my knowledge and my familiarity with the two sheep and goats comes primarily from cartoons and mattress commercials. <laughs> but a parable like this in Jesus' time would have been very, very applicable people knew herding and they knew sheep and they knew goats i want to skip down in matthew 25 starting in verse 31 it says when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep from goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on his left so we see a separation taking place here. The people are being separated, and figuratively, he's using sheep and goats. See, it's only the shepherd that can make the distinction between the two. In some places in the world today, not so much here in America, but in some places, it can be very hard to tell the difference between a sheep and a goat. In a spiritual sense, it takes our Lord, Jesus himself. You see, only the Lord can see the heart. And only he knows who's a sheep and who's a goat. When choosing David to succeed Saul as king, God spoke to Samuel, and he said, I don't look at the outside. I look at the heart. The Lord sees the heart. Baby goats and sheep can be even harder to tell the difference. I'll take a little segue here this morning, and I have a, just a little test for you guys. I have a series of pictures. And what you're... What you're discernment test part is is to tell you don't have to shout it out you can just decide to yourself whether you think that's a sheep 
or whether you think that's a goat. It's a goat. All right, the next one. I'll give you five seconds. That one's a sheep. Yeah. Like I said, it can be hard to tell the difference. All right, the next one. That one's a sheep. All right, how about these two? Goats. All right, what about this smiling fellow? He's a sheep, or she, I don't know. That's a sheep. And then the last one. It's a goat. So it can be hard, can it? It can be hard. Just like when you look at people from the outside, you and I, we can't tell if a person's a sheep or a goat, but the Lord can. Each person has an opportunity in life to make a choice. In a sense of this story, in a sense of this parable, to change from being a goat to a sheep. But why does it really matter? Why does it really matter if I'm a goat or a sheep, you might ask? So let's go back to Matthew 25 and verse 34. It says, Then the king shall say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. It's good to be on the right, isn't it? No pun intended. It's awesome to be a sheep, wouldn't you say? Now you're starting to see the value in being a sheep. Hmm. Jesus goes on to say that when he was hungry, they provided food. Thirsty, they gave him drink. When he was a stranger, they welcomed him. Naked, they clothed him. When sick, they visited him. When in prison, they came. In humility, they said, well, when did we see you? And he replied to them that whenever you did this for the least of these, you did it as unto me. Paul writes in Colossians 3.23 that whatever we do, whatever we work at, to do it as best we can, to do it as hard as we can, as unto the Lord. But what about those on the left hand? What about those goats? In Matthew 25, in the 41st verse, Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then skipping down to 46, And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we see here this separation taking place, leading to a judgment. It's why it needs and why it's important for us to understand the difference between being figuratively a sheep and a goat. It's an illustration that Jesus is using in separating this flock. Notice that those on his left, figuratively the goats, received the punishment that God created not for people, but for Satan and his minions. Those on the right, however, receive blessings and inheritance and eternal life. Between those verses 41 and 46, Jesus goes through that same list that he went through with those on the right side and said, you never did any of this. And they're like, well, we never saw you. It's unlikely that they never did anything for anybody because it's always a matter of the heart. Even if they did it, their heart wasn't in it. See, with the Lord, it's always a matter of the heart. Where is my heart in the actions of my life? A life that has been changed by the internal work of the Lord is motivated by love. Love for the Lord and love for one another. I love the book of 1 John. If you're a person who just gets mushy with love and stuff like that, I, I can't recommend a book of the Bible more. 
But in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, this isn't the mushy kind of love that you think about. This is that agape, this self-sacrificing love. This is a choice. It doesn't say you have to like everybody. It doesn't say you like one another. But we are called to love one another. So how do we get into this sheepfold? How do I become this sheep? How do we get saved? I'm sure a lot of you would have the answers, but I have a disconcerting news to share with you this morning. According to Jesus in Matthew 5, 48, you have to be perfect. Just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, that's a tall order. It's an impossibility, you say, and you'd be right. It is impossible. So we're going to look at another story in Matthew chapter 19. We have the story of the rich young ruler. He comes and he asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to be saved? Jesus responds to him, well, you have to keep the commandments if you want to enter into a life. We see his response in verse 18 of Matthew 19. This is the young ruler responding to Jesus. He said to him, which ones? That's a very interesting reply if you think about it for a minute. Jesus said, you have to obey the command, so he says, which ones? That would be like you saying to the police officer that just pulled you over, which ones do I have to obey? To obey them all. But Jesus answers him, he, he, he kind of rolls with the punches, so to speak. He says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. So Jesus lists six. As you and I know, there are more. But these six alone, who could obey them in perfection? The reality is no one could. But the rich young ruler, in an arrogant way, he claims to have kept them all since he was a youngster. I've done all that. What else do I have to do? Bring on the next one, in essence, is what he's saying. So in verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Now there's a whole sermon in that one verse. But one thing is, it's not about the possessions. It's not about the things that you have. As I've already said, it's about the heart. But I want you to see two things in this verse. Again, here's that call to perfection. He says to him, if you want to be perfect, if you would be perfect, came across this sign. Population's a little wrong, though. It's missing a digit. It should be one. But it's still perfection. We can't obtain that. But Jesus calls him to perfection, and it's a conditional. If you would be perfect, he says. The way to do that is found at the very end of that verse. He says, if you would be perfect... Come follow me. I skipped a few words there. But in other words, following Jesus is the way to eternal life. It is the way to salvation. It is the way to perfection. Remember, he is the gate into the sheepfold. And it's not my perfection. It's not your perfection. It's his. It's his alone. By faith in him, by faith in his perfect life, his death for my sin, his victory over death, I am saved. 
And so are you if you choose to believe. The really beautiful thing about that is not only are we saved, we're changed. If it helps you to think about being changed from a goat to a sheep, then use that. But you're changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone, again, there's a condition there, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. When we accept this gift of salvation through God's grace and through his love, we're no longer the same. The part that's really hard to understand, the part that's really hard for me to comprehend, and I think I'm a pretty smart person, not to be bold or arrogant, but I don't understand this, and I can't comprehend it, is that we're brand new. We're no longer the same. We're not just changed, but we're completely remade. Tony Evans, if you know who he is, he uses a great word for this. He calls it a transmutation. That's a big word, and it has significant meaning. Transmutation is a complete change. It's as if you took one element and you completely changed it into another element. Now, if you know anything about atomic theory, you know that that's, although it is possible with atomic bombardment, it is a, it is a complete change. You have totally changed the atomic structure if you change gold into oxygen. It's also the changing of one species to another. It's if you change a dog into a cat. It's a complete change. It's a transmutation. A great example is a butterfly. A butterfly starts its life out as a caterpillar. If you know the process, the caterpillar makes a cocoon, and then at some point in time, a butterfly emerges. Now, that butterfly is not an altered caterpillar. It's not a transformed caterpillar. It is a completely new creature. It is something that exists now that never existed before. The same is true of you when you become a saved individual. What is there before is no longer. What is there now has not been before. It's going from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. I call it the goat to the sheep transmutation. Mm -hmm. There is an aspect, though, of being a sheep that is a little bit disconcerting. If you think about being likened to them, they have a reputation for not being very intelligent. There is a fact, though, that's been said that the sheep of today are nothing like the sheep of old. They've been worked on, they've been genetically engineered, so to speak, so now they produce a lot of wool. The problem is, is by most experts' analysis, they're not as smart even as they were dumb before. <laughs> so they're losing intelligence. But there is something about sheep. They always have been dependent upon their shepherd. They always have been. Dependent upon him for everything. They're really quite defenseless without him. Shepherds protect their sheep from the environment. Sheep follow their shepherd's voice, and they ultimately trust him for everything, for food, water, protection, safety, and you can continue the list. Going back to John chapter 10, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. But what happens when a sheep wanders? What happens when it strays from the flock and the safety of the sheepfold? 
I want to look at another parable. This one's found in Luke chapter 15. This is, there's a series of three parables in this chapter. And they all have to deal with something being lost and then being found. Now, I believe that these, all three of these stories have great application to the lost and who are found and who are saved. But I also believe it has tremendous application to those who are already sheep and somehow find themselves lost and in a wayward way. In the story of the lost coin, which follows the one we're going to look at, the woman looks diligently and desperately for this coin that she has lost. Now think about this for a moment. Who did the coin belong to before it was lost? It was hers. In the next story, it's the story of the prodigal son, which I'm sure most of you are familiar with. The father looks and he waits in earnest for his son to come home. The son was already his son. So there's a tremendous application to those who already belong to the Lord. In verse 4 of Luke 15, it says, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one is lost until he finds it? So who did those hundred sheep belong to? They were already belonged to him. They were already his. And yet somehow one of them managed to slip away, wandered away. The same can be true of me and of you. Although we're a new creation, we're changed, we're transmutated. We still reside in a body that's prone to wander, straying into sin. It's like that song that laments, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But Luke gives us a great picture of a shepherd who is relentless. And I can't stress that enough, relentless in finding his lost sheep. He looks and he looks and he looks until he finds it. In verse 5, and when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Don't miss the fact that he doesn't return home until he finds that sheep. He looks until he finds it. And when he does find it, he takes it home with him. And he calls all of his friends together, Look, that which was lost is found. Now this has great application for the lost who don't know the Lord but I believe it's just as applicable for those that are already His. We know that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. He wants all to come to this knowledge of eternal life. And He wants all that are His to remain His. In 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but He's patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. His desire is that his sheep would follow him because in him is safety, protection, guidance, care, and love. He gave everything so that all would come to know him as Lord, Savior, Shepherd, and I might add friend. See, it's about relationship with him. The change, the transmutation that takes place when I put my hope, my trust, my faith, my heart, my life in Jesus. The change is that I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. 
Galatians 2.20 drives that point home. It says that I have been crucified with Christ. That old me, that old you, doesn't exist anymore. It really doesn't. I don't understand that. I don't understand how you can change gold into oxygen. And I don't understand how I can be completely changed. But that's what God's Word tells me. That's what God's Word tells you. I have an illustration that I'd like to share with you. I, I, I love illustrations, and for the, some of you know this, but I, for many, many years, have uh, worked with children in children's ministry. And uh, so I, I tend to, to go to illustrations for that reason. Um, and we're all God's kids anyway, so. So I have an illustration here, and I'm going to use Play-Doh to do it. So, and what I have here is I have two different colors of Play-Doh. In 1 John 4.15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. I'm going to try to get this out of here. So this blue lump of Play-Doh, this is you. And this is me. This is, how we, this is how we were born. We were born like a blue piece of Play-Doh. All right. This red Play-Doh represents the Lord and the blood that he shed at Calvary. So according to that verse that we, I just read, it says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So based upon that, you end up with something like that. The Lord abiding within us. So now this is me. But I've been changed. I'm different now. I have the Lord living inside me. Doesn't that still amaze you this morning? That God lives in you? Doesn't, I mean, sometimes I think we're so used to hearing that and so used to thinking about it, we, we, we forget. God lives in us. And we can forget that. When this happens, sometimes we don't look any different. In fact, most times we don't look any different. I've talked to people that have gotten saved and they say, well, I really don't feel any different. And sometimes we don't. But according to God's word, you're different. You're not the same anymore. The Lord now lives, resides in you. At that moment, you're not only changed, but you're changed forever. What blows me away is in his loving patience, he continues to work on me. And I'll tell you this, he's working on you too. And so he's working throughout our entire lives. As we go through this life, as we sojourn through life, he is constantly working. He never gets tired. He never gets frustrated. He's never surprised. He never gives up. Nothing can separate us from his love. And here's the thing about that. This is the important thing to miss, because a lot of times we miss this. Nothing can separate us from his love not even you. I don't have the capacity, no matter what I do, to separate myself from the love that Jesus has for me. That alone should make you want to jump out of your skin. But then in, in verse 17 of 1 John chapter 4, he says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Remember that judgment I talked about a while ago, the sheep and the goats? 
says we have boldness in that day of judgment. Why? Because we've been perfected in his love. Since we live in this world, God living in us, he's constantly working us to make us more and more and more like Jesus. That's his goal. It's a refining process. It's been likened unto the process of refining gold where you, you get it so hot and then you scrape the dross off the top, the junk off the top. All the defects that you have and I have, all the sharp edges, all the unevenness, they're being sanded, they're being scraped, they're being shaped until we look more and more like our Lord. As this process continues, the reality of our change should become more and more apparent. Each one of us is a work in progress. We're all at different stages. But believe this this morning, the Lord's working on you. He's working on me. Try as I might, I could never separate this Plato back into red and blue. I can't. It's now changed forever. There is no way that I can separate this. And I love this illustration because what was red and what was blue is now a royal color. It's now purple. And this is what happens to you and me as we go through life, as the Lord shapes us. It's a forever change. It's a forever change. You and I, we've been bought with a price. You are forever changed. You are His forever. You are secure in the sheepfold. If you've not trusted in Jesus, my hope is that you've heard his calling this morning because he loves you and he paid a price and he wants to change you into a purple piece of Play-Doh. <laughs> I'm going to ask our prayer partners to come forward at this time. If you've heard the Lord's call this morning, if you felt him tugging on your heart, Maybe you don't understand that. I would invite you to come and allow us to pray with you. It would be our privilege. If there's another struggle in your life, if there's something you're dealing with, and you don't need to be specific, again, it would be our privilege to pray with you. You're invited to do so as we sing a closing song in a moment to come forward and allow us to have that opportunity, that privilege to pray with you or any time at the conclusion of the service. You see, Jesus loves us more than we can, I think, comprehend, more than we can understand. I love that story about searching for the lost sheep, the one. There's a song out now that's somewhat popular that speaks to that same thing. But that's what he does. He's not gonna let you go. He let me go. He blows me away. He's waiting for you, for me, to give him all that we have. That he can live in us and through us. Father, we thank you so much that you love us, that you care, that you gave everything that we would have this opportunity to be in the sheepfold. Father, I thank you for the sheep that I get to be in a sheepfold with, where they bless my socks off. 
Lord, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. We ask you, God, to do everything through us that we might live for you in a new and a special way. And Father, for those that don't know you, Lord, I know you're pursuing them. I know your heart is that none should perish. And so, God, we offer ourselves to you. Help us, Lord, to be beacons of light, beacons of hope in a world that's dying, in a world that seems hopeless, a world that seems bent on destruction. Because you've called us, Lord, to be ambassadors of your love. So may we do that in every way that we can. And Lord, I admit that we need you to do that. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we can walk in his power and in his strength as you work through us, Lord. We have been transmutated this morning, Lord. We are not the same. That old man, that old woman, that old boy, that old girl is gone. We are new. So God, we celebrate that this morning. Lord, walk before us and guide us through the week to come. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace this week. May he guide your every step. May his face shine upon you. Thank you.